It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Carolina Hurricanes hosted the stadium series for the first time and came away with a big win. Jared Ellis of Locked On Hurricanes is here to discuss that and what we can expect from the Canes as the trade deadline approaches. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Saturday was a big day for the Carolina Hurricanes. They hosted the Washington Capitals in the stadium series. Big outdoor game, and they skate away with a victory. Jared Ellis of Locked On Hurricanes joins us to talk about that, and you were at the game. Jared, let's start with this. What was the experience like at the outdoor game down in Carolina? It was unreal. It was a once in a lifetime experience. I mean, you can kind of hear my voice is still a little hoarse uh, from all the cheering, but yeah, it, it's from being a you know lifelong fan. I posted on Twitter last night. You know, I went with my dad, and you know, our first game together. It was like back in like 2001, and it was. PNC Arena was still called the Raleigh and Entertainment Sports Arena before it even was called RBC Center. And then our last game together was at Carter Finley Stadium. He was went to the inaugural season when they're still in Greensboro. Went to their first uh, playoff series back in '99 against Boston. You know, I was talking to him. You know, at it, he said, you know, you. He never would have thought in a million years. Obviously, you know, back then they didn't do the outdoor stuff, but even 10 years ago, 10 years ago, it was move the team to Quebec, relocate them, no fans, you know, all that stuff. And back then probably would have agreed with you, but it is crazy just how far this team has come. And in their 25th season here in Raleigh, you know, it's perfect. And then, the fact that they were able to beat the brakes off the Capitals, yeah, that was always really fun. Yeah, me and my dad were talking about that 10 years ago. It had been the opposite way around. Capitals would have been the one beating the brakes off the Hurricanes. It was unreal from a fan expense, uh, from a fan perspective. And I would, it was once in a lifetime. Talk to me about the atmosphere inside the stadium. What was it like and, and how was it different from a typical Hurricanes game? Well, it was a bit colder, <laughs> uh, first and foremost. Uh, but you know, there's definitely a lot, you know, to take. It was a lot to take in, uh, and you know, the NHL, you know, they really went for the college football feel uh, with it, and you know, they definitely hit the mark on some of the stuff. You know, down on the floor near the stage for the uh, music performances, 
where they had students from NC State down there on the floor. That was really cool. They obviously had Mr. and Mrs. Wolf there. Uh, and then they had the NC State band there. That was really, really cool. And I like that they didn't shy away from the fact that that's where it was. You know, it was in a college football stadium. And, you know, I, I will say, you know, the league, I think they dropped the ball a bit with the parking uh, situation. You know, they kept wanting to say, you know, they're going for college football. They're going for college football, which is great. But even for a normal Hurricane Saturday game, people are getting there at 10 a.m. And they weren't opening the parking lots till 2 in the afternoon. So I do feel they dropped the ball on that a bit. It would have helped, you know, get some people in there sooner. They weren't having to sit in traffic as long. I mean, it was 57,000 people. That's quite a bit of folks uh, packing in there. But, you know, it at least it wasn't like uh, the one at the Air Force Academy a few years ago when people were getting seated in the third period. You know, at least it wasn't like that. You know, you know everyone was eventually able to make it in. And, yeah, it was it was a really fun experience for sure. And even when after we were finally able to get in. <laughs> but we got in with plenty of time. We were able to enjoy some tailgating and everything how much more meaningful or enjoyable was it beating a division rival like the Capitals? Oh, it was awesome. It, it was absolutely awesome to beat the Capitals. Like I said, you know, 10 years ago, it was the other way around. It was the Capitals beating up on the Hurricanes and for the Hurricanes to be the one hosting the game and just handling their rivals so so handedly in that game, especially – how the rivalries really heated up over the past few years. Yeah, it, it was awesome. And I actually now uh, with that, now that I think about it, that was the Capitals' first loss in an outdoor game uh, ever. And yeah, that was really, really cool uh, to beat the Capitals in that game. Hurricanes have now won nine of their last 10 three in a row, on a roll, first place in the Metropolitan Division. Trade deadline is less than two weeks away. What, if anything, do you see Carolina looking to do as we get closer to that big day? Yeah, so it's crazy to think about that the trade deadline is that close. Time is flying by. Uh, but I feel like the Hurricanes, they're going to go make try to make a splash um, You know, with Pacioretty going down because he – like we've talked about before, he would have essentially been the trade deadline acquisition with the time frame of him coming back. So a lot of the moves that I thought they would have made have been made by other teams uh, with Tarasenko going to New York, um, Horvath also going to the other New York team. Uh, and then uh, yesterday, shortly or was it yesterday or the yesterday or the day before uh, of Ryan O'Reilly getting yeah. traded to Toronto? I didn't think that was higher on the possibility list, but you know, with all the trade speculation, the Hurricanes wanting to make a splash, you figure their name is in there. And really, the only two left on the board that I could see them making moves for one I would like, one I would not. Uh, Patrick Kane don't really want that uh, just because he's well past his best playing days, you know, 10 years ago would have been a different story, you know, of wanting him, but he just, he's past his prime and, you know, with his hip injury and, you know, it's one of those that 
he's it's what like a nine million cap hit and you know it's the final year of his deal so nine million for a rental it's a bit steep and especially a rental like that that's well past his prime you know free agency you know i could if they could get him on a cheap deal i could see it again wouldn't be one i'd really want but you know i could see it making a bit more sense there but really the only one i would really want now that's left would be timo meyer i think he he fits the bill uh what the hurricanes are wanting and you know, i've seen seth jarvis been involved in some trade talks don't want that at all he's an absolute stud that can carry this franchise for years and for decade a decade plus and so i don't want that uh but i've seen some where it's you know like a san jose would want like a top level prospect you know some b-level prospects uh picks i do think they could do that uh a name that I think really makes sense in the trade. I don't think some people would like it would be Ryan Suzuki. I, d- I don't see that. Uh, I can see that making some people mad, but at the end of the day, I don't, at this point, I don't see him starting to pan out with the Hurricanes and in their system. I think it can be about time for a change of scenery. And I know it's not all his fault with injuries piling up uh, for him, but it feels you know, at the end of the day, you know, let's kind of move on from here. We wish him the best in his future endeavors and, you know, really make a splash at the deadline. This is a team that it can compete for a Stanley cup right now. They don't necessarily have to go out and make a blockbuster trade or anything like that. They could absolutely get the job done as is, as we've been seeing, they can get the job done, but you know, it feels it, like so often over these past couple of years, that one guy away, you know, definitely could have been Pacioretty for sure, but that's off the table. Timo Meyer fits the bill of what they need. Well, we'll see if they can go out and get him. Like I said, a little less than two weeks to go. Should mm-hmm. be interesting. Uh, Jared, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and how they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can find the podcast wherever you find this podcast where you find Locked On Islanders, you know, it's going to be there along with all your other, other favorite Locked On podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Music, all of it's going to be there. Also on YouTube at Locked On Hurricanes. And you can find me on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. And you never know, Gil, with the trade deadline coming up, by the time this goes out, Hurricanes may have already went and got Timo Meyer. <laughs> well, if that's the case, we'll be back to talk about that. Absolutely. Jared, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted one supplement that would take care of all my nutritional needs. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. And it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and 
five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the Leafs coming off the big trade over the weekend had their first game and ended up with a 4-1 to win. David Marasuti of Locked On Leafs joins us and Talk to me a little bit about their two new additions and how they did in this big win for Toronto on Saturday. Yeah, there was definitely a buzz, uh, buzz not not just in the arena, but just with the team itself. How it, how they came out right away, like we thought Ron Riley was going to score within the first minute of his like first uh, game with the Leafs. He it, it's weird because these guys didn't have a, a, any practice. They pretty much had a quick skate around for the warm up. They didn't have no. They didn't really know who they were going to be playing with um, until the lineup came out. So it was, it was definitely a very interesting uh, scenario. But you know, they both uh, both of them brought their own flavor to the last night. I mean, Ryan Riley got an assist, so he got his first point out of the way. Nolachari looked even. You know, a lot of people liked his game a lot more just because he was physical the fourth line looked like it finally had a bit of an identity that's kind of been a big part of what uh has been missing with the bottom six is kind of that lack of identity so you bring in a noel chari and you know exactly what you're going to get from him and he came as advertised they both they both did um i didn't expect the chari to have as much of an impact sure he didn't you know score anything but that's not what they brought him in for and his and you, there was a lot of good things to see from their debuts. Were you surprised with uh, where they put O'Reilly in particular in the lineup and then, you know, moving John Tavares to wing for part of the time? Yeah, like I, we were wondering where exactly he would have gone. It made sense to have Ryan Riley stay at center. That's the position he's played. That's what he's more, most comfortable with. And to have him go on to the third line, it would have, it made a lot more sense just to move John Tavares to the wing, whether it's just for this game. I'm not sure they are playing Sunday night, so I'm not sure how that will, uh, how that will change in terms of the lineups. I'm assuming that for now, they're going to keep it the same until they get, because of the back-to-back situation, just to give them some time to get used to it. Cause then though they'll have the Monday off. And then I assume Tuesday in Buffalo when they do play again, Maybe eventually we'll start to see how exactly Sheldon Keefe wants the lineup to to look. But I think for now, just uh, keep things as it is because it's working. They're winning. Yeah, and, and winning is indeed important. So you, you got your first view of the two new players and, and starting to get a feel as to where they're going to fit into the lineup. We still have... Uh, a little less than two weeks until the trade deadline. What, if anything else, do you see the Maple Leafs looking to do? I still think they need an addition on the on the blue line. Um, I, when I look at their, I look at their defense. I, 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 it gets me a little concerned when the playoffs come around and when the intensity goes up. Can this defense handle it? I do think they need depth there. You know, they lose 
they at times, you know, they've been without TJ Brody, they've been without Morgan Riley, they've been without even Timothy Lilligren for stretches of the season. The guy, the, the team has been able to step up, but I get concerned that when they have to play against a very good opponent, whether it be Tampa and if they move on, Boston or whoever, it's only going to get harder. And I don't know if this, if this defense, the way it's constructed right now, is ready for that. Now, the problem is, is there's not many defensemen out there. So they might have to kind of look a little bit outside of the box because they're not going to be able to afford, after making the trade for a while, they're not going to be able to afford, you know, a Jacob Chikrin, a Gavrikov even. So they're going to have to get a little creative if they want to add to the back end. What kind of defenseman do you think they should be looking to add? A lot of people like Luke Shen. That's kind of the style. Uh, I don't know if Luke Shen has the foot speed that, you know, some some teams crave, but I think he brings just what what this Leafs team kind of needs is a little more of that rugged, stay-at-home type, make smart decisions in your own end. Don't stay in your own end a lot. I think that's where the Leafs get in trouble, you know, turning the puck over, putting themselves in bad positions, and just not being able to get out of your zone. If they can get if they can get a puck, a defenseman that's capable of doing either or, whether it's get help get that puck out of the zone, or if you're stuck in your own zone, you're not going to you're going to be able to at least make it tougher on your opponents to score on you. So Luke Shen is kind of the ideal target because he's actually played well considering where Vancouver has been this season, and he's one of those guys that everybody uh, everybody is uh, keeping their eye on. I will keep an eye on that and see what the Leafs end up doing. We now, you know, are coming into the last 25 games or so of the season, and the Leafs are three points ahead of Tampa Bay in the race for second place in the Atlantic Division. Probably about 95% sure that's the opening round of the playoffs matchup. How important is it for Toronto to finish ahead of Tampa Bay in the standings and get home ice advantage in that first round? Oh, it's crucial. I still think that if the, that last season, it, there was value in having that home ice advantage because the Leafs had a chance to end that series in six. They had the chance to go, yeah, to finish it in Tampa. Tampa obviously pulls it out in game six and they win in game seven. Uh, you don't want to. You want to give every advantage to a team that's that much that that close to you in the standings and that close to like that series. The difference was one goal. Difference was one goal and goal differential between the two. So every advantage you're going to be able to get is 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 important. You know, last change dicta- dictating matchups. Four out of the seven games. Well, if it goes to seven games, so I I think. The Leafs should definitely try their best to get home ice. It's going to be a dogfight. That's probably the only benefit right now from this final stretch is they do have something to play for. It's just now it's Tampa's not Tampa's got a little bit of uh breathing like they have a game in hand right now and they got some easier matchups. The Leafs are you know, the Tampa's playing a little bit of catch up because of the game in hands the Leafs had uh prior to the all star break. And how do you feel about the playoff format where you have Tampa Bay and Toronto, in my mind, two of the top five or six teams in the league, and they're going to have to face each other again, most likely in the first round. I, I, I understand why the NHL was trying to create these rivalries, but 
the rivalry between Tampa and the Leafs, like no one's really talking about the rivalry. The only thing they're talking about is, oh, here we go again. Same two teams playing against each other. Under the current format, if they are the current format, the Leafs and Tampa play in the first round. If they went to the traditional one versus eight format, the Leafs would play the Rangers in the first round. And Tampa would actually be the sixth seed while the Leafs would be the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. That's where I don't like it is that, you know, a matchup like the Leafs and Tampa, that doesn't screen to me round one type of matchup. That's more of a, you know, semifinal, conference final sort of matchup to me. Even like the Bruins and Leafs, I would rather see that as an Easter conference final than to see it in the second round. I, I just don't like how some of the better matchups of the playoffs have always come in the first couple of rounds versus, and then the conference finals, it's like, Whoever's left after two after the after the two divisions just have added each other, especially in the Atlantic division. Like the best teams for most of the season have been from the Atlantic with Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. The Metropolitan Division is catching up a little bit, but I, I still think that the one versus a format is a little bit more fair in terms of how the matchups come out in round one. I have to agree with you on that. David, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore more Sudi. And yeah, follow all of our content locked on lease wherever you get your podcast from YouTube, iTunes. And you can also follow the uh, our Twitter account locked on Leafs on Twitter. All right, David, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate it, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. And you can even use your knowledge of the NHL to help you win at FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On New York Rangers, John Chick. And John, I'll tell you, it's been a very, very exciting couple of weeks for the Rangers. Uh, their point streak continues with a nice little comeback to force overtime last night in Calgary. You had the Vladimir Tarasenko trade. Let's start with that. It's five games in now. How has Vladimir Tarasenko fit in with the New York Rangers? Yeah, so far so good. I mean, they've mostly had him, you know, on the top line. Uh, they started initially by super stacking that top line going uh, Panarin and then Mika and then Tarasenko. From left to right, uh, they quickly made an adjustment, moved Kreider back up there, moved Panarin down. But uh, Tarasenko, you know, both from an on-ice standpoint and also uh, just watching him interact with his teammates, it looks like so far so good. He's fitting right in. I don't know if you had a chance to catch the uh, first game of the 
Tarasenko era Gil, but he actually scored a goal on his uh, second shift. You know, Panarin with a nice feed and uh, or, uh, Tarasenko with a little tip-in goal. And then also got one uh, in the game against Calgary last night. Of course, the Rangers were down 2 nothing into that game and, uh, you know, came back and uh, tied it, forced it into overtime. They lost, but they at least got a point there. But, yeah, so far, so good. I mean, I think it's something that the Rangers really needed. Uh, you know, going into the trade deadline, I've done a couple of trade-centric episodes. And, you know, I did one episode where – what I'll do sometimes is I'll look at three different candidates that the Rangers could trade for. And I'd covered Tarasenko in the past. And one of the biggest reasons for me is just positional need because before the Rangers trade for Tarasenko, you, know, you look at their depth chart, top to bottom, left to right, backwards, forwards, everything. It's pretty clear that the biggest weakness, at least for me is right wing. And I even made the point at the time, if the Rangers bring in two players, uh, you know, before the deadline, you could make the case that both should be right wingers. I mean, that that's kind of the discrepancy you get between right wing and all the other positions. And they got their guy. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko is a big time right winger in this league, uh, former Stanley Cup champion, somebody that can go out there and play with anybody and, uh, you know, a playoff performer as well. And and a sniper, you know, that that's something that they need as well. There's a lot of pass first guys on this Ranger team, which is nice. But, you know, I've talked about this on my show. There's times you almost wish they would be just a little bit more selfish. And, you know, Tarasenko's, he's not going to hesitate to shoot the puck. That's for sure. And uh, I'm glad we got him. I thought that was an excellent trade for the Rangers. Talk to me about the ripple effect that Tarasenko's addition to the lineup has on this overall team. Yeah, I mean, I think it first and foremost just kind of makes the entire team a little bit deeper. You know, I mentioned the right wing situation a second ago. Besides Kako, I mean, there's not really anyone you can go to. Kravtsov has struggled and he wants to be traded again. And, you know, there's times this season where guys like uh, Barclay Goodrow and Jimmy Vesey have played the right wing in the top six. And that's all well and good. You know, they're capable players, but I don't see either one of them as like bonafide, true, uh, you know, top six right wing type players. And, you know, a lot of times what the Rangers have been doing is they've been keeping the kid line together, you know, Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako. And usually when that line is together, that's the third line. And so then, you know, you've got those two holes uh, as far as your top six at right wing is concerned. And Vladimir Tarasenko obviously fills one of those spots. And uh, so far, so good. You know, he, he's done a great job. And uh, like I said, just really lengthens the lineup. And I'm going to be curious to see uh, if there are any other moves uh, before the trade deadline. I, I don't think it'll be quite as splashy of a pickup as Tarasenko, but I get the feeling maybe a depth forward uh, could be on the way for the Rangers. The Rangers go 3-0-1 on their road trip, beating Carolina, beating Edmonton. Talk to me about that dramatic comeback win against Edmonton, because that was one of the most exciting games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, they basically uh, flipped the script on the Oilers from earlier this season, because what I would say was probably the worst loss of the Rangers season is there was a game in Madison Square Garden, and Rangers were up 3 nothing going into the third period. Everything's cool. You know, they're, they're cruising along. They look like they're going to get two points. They get four goals in the third period and they lose. And uh, they kind of paid them back for that in this one because they were down 3 nothing, They were down 4-1 and uh, they came back and got it done. But just a really nice uh, character win. And I said this in an episode that I'm going to be posting a little bit later today here on Sunday. Um, I didn't feel like, even though they were down 4-1 at the end of the first, I didn't feel like all hope was lost in that game because a lot of the Oiler goals were a case of the Rangers kind of shooting themselves in the foot just a little bit. You know, a couple of soft goals that Igor let in and a couple instances where they just didn't clear the front of the net. And, you know, Edmonton, not the best defensive team. The Rangers have some uh, star players that are hot. So I just felt like they could get back into it. And it was great because uh, between periods there, the first and second period, uh, Glenn goes in there and he tells his players down 4-1. He goes, we're not losing this game. So uh, I thought that's awesome. And you just love to hear stories like that, you know, coming out of the locker room and uh, him just kind of galvanizing the team. And uh, another thing that kind of went under the radar there, 
his decision to not pull Igor Shosturkin, despite Igor being up against it a little bit recently, you know, at least by his own lofty standards, and, um, you know, obviously struggling in that game, giving up four goals in the first period, and from then on, he doesn't give up anything. And even in the shootout, uh, Edmonton went just one for six because it went six rounds. So, uh, yeah, just great stuff all around, man. Just, just a character win and uh, one of those victories that makes it fun to be a fan of the New York Rangers, for sure. Talk to me a little bit more about Shesterkin. The numbers aren't at the elite level that they were a year ago. How much of that is on him? How much of it is on the way the team is playing defense in front of him? Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, like in a lot of situations like this, it's it's a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B, right? But, um, you know, overall, I think he's going to be fine. You know, he went through a little bit of a skid early in the season when pretty much the entire team was slumping. Uh, he got it together and played some excellent hockey not too long after that. And, you know, again, a little bit of a downturn recently, but, you know, somebody, uh, and I forget who, who this was, but somebody on one of my YouTube videos left the comment, like, you know, I'd rather Igor go through a little bit of a slump in February than, you know, in April or, you know, any, any time in the playoffs, basically. So I'm kind of of that same mindset. Um, and I think it's just kind of a reminder that he's human. No matter who you are as a goalie in this league, you're going to go through a funk sooner or later. I mean, it happens to the greatest goalies that have ever played this game. I think that's what we're seeing with Igor right now. And um, like I said, even that game against Edmonton, the last two periods, the overtime, the shootout, just seeing that and, you know, seeing him make a couple of nice saves against McDavid, that's all I needed to see. I get the feeling that the next time we see him, he's going to be uh, right back to the Igor Shesterkin that Ranger fans are all very accustomed to watching uh, play between the pipes for this team. Last question for you. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of picking up another depth forward at the trade deadline. Any particular targets you have in mind and who might they give up or what might they give up in exchange? Yeah, I did uh, an episode on this not too long ago. And uh, as far as what the Rangers would give up, I mean, it depends on who you're bringing back. But if you bring in a bottom six type forward, a fourth line type forward, which I think is what the Rangers will do, then I think you should probably be able to pull that off for maybe like a third round draft pick. I mean, it depends who it is and, uh, you know, how much interest there is in that player, how much they have to outbid other teams that are interested but I actually did an episode, uh, you know, last week. Uh, at the top of my list is the same guy they traded for last season, and that would be Tyler Mott. I, I thought he did an excellent job for this Ranger team. He only played nine regular season games before he got hurt. Uh, came back for game six against the Penguins in the playoffs and really made an impact. I mean, he's a buzzsaw. He's just a complete pain in the butt to play against. He he's just in your face the entire time. He hits. Uh, just plays his heart out, man. And he doesn't score that often, but you always feel like he's kind of close, if that makes sense. Like, it always feels like, he's like this close to scoring like a really important goal for your team. So uh, Tyler Mott is uh, at the top of my list, but I'll also do an honorable mention to the two players that I discussed in that episode, which would also be uh, Nick Ritchie, you know, big body player. I think he'd be a good fit on the fourth line. And Max Domi could give you some uh, secondary scoring as well. So I'll, I'll throw those two out there as well. All right, John, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, so, I mean, the podcast, you can find that anywhere you're watching or listening to Lockdown NHL here. We're on that same audio platform. We're on YouTube, pretty much any audio platform. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at jchick17. And uh, the podcast is also on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. So uh, definitely come give us a watch, give us a listen, give us a follow, do whatever you got to do. And, yeah, good times. <laughs> All right, John Chick, always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us today. All right, thanks, Gil. Really appreciate it, man. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast. I want to thank my guests, Jared Ellis of Locked On Hurricanes, David Marasuti of Locked On Maple Leafs, and, of course, John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday hosting the Locked On NHL Podcast. I also 
co-host the Friday edition with Rachel Donner. And don't forget, Locked On NHL is here every Monday through Friday, giving you the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.